0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film The Greatest Showman. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast as it's mostly lighthearted, and we talk about a whole bunch of other stuff. But if you do proceed without having seen it, just be aware that there are a couple of minor plot spoilers. Enjoy. Now we're recording. Okay. Do that thing again.
0: Paddy Justin, this is the moment you're waiting for.
1: Nice. <laughs> I thought that was just going to go into one of our old band songs. <laughs> I have um I have the guitar on me because I was just jamming while I was waiting for you. Oh, very nice. I've been listening to a lot of um been listening to a lot of Rush this week. Oh, really? How do you feel about Rush?
0: Ah, yeah. I Rush, I think I missed the boat on um, a lot of people got into Rush when they were sort of in their mid to late teens, I think, um, where they started yeah. getting into the more, like the complexities of music and rhythm and things like that. And Rush, Rush are one of those bands that a lot of people get into at that age um, for their sort yeah. of proggy, rocky elements. Um, so I kind of missed the boat. But whenever I listen to them, I'm like, oh, yes, I can appreciate this. This is this is good music.
1: It's It's very good music. And despite it being definitely complex for the sake of it you know it's still very very catchy you know they're they're david foster wallace of of guitar music
0: (laughs) there's some really nice hooks in in rush songs i find um it's not often that you get bands that are kind of proggy in nature but that still have interesting choruses and catchy choruses yeah like Um... you could
1: you can sing parts of a rush song whereas you know other other progressive groups i don't know I I I couldn't sing you a line of Emerson Lake and Palmer, should we say? No.
0: Um try and try and sing me a chorus of a dream theatre song.
1: <laughs> and, I actually and I, I really like Dream Theatre. The, the,
0: the I think the mark of a good prog band is if they they're able to to successfully merge like progressive music into traditional music so that they can properly intertwine the stupid proggy elements with the stupid poppy elements yeah um so you you look at like king crimson and like court of the crimson king is one of the all-time greatest albums of all time yeah um i realize i said all time twice then it is because it's (laughs) relatively late at night and i'm feeling a little bit fuzzy in the head it is Um, this is
1: the latest we've ever recorded it is in in the day so yeah, they're all a little bit sleepy. But I um I haven't been sleeping that well recently. Oh, no. So I um I was gonna try out some sleeping pills tonight, but research has been published this week that suggests that sleeping pills make you racist. So <laughs> I thought maybe I could try I could try some and then we could see how racist the podcast gets.
0: In case you didn't know, Paddy, um any medication makes you racist. That's just the way that it works. And I'm so glad that Roseanne has been able to bring this up for us. Um because, you know, I was on antidepressants for over a year, and I'm so glad that I can finally come out and say that when I was on antidepressants, I basically became a Nazi. Yeah. Um just... I remember
1: the Nazi phase. Yeah, we all tolerated
0: yeah. it. We we to- people tolerated it, but it wasn't spoken about because we just didn't know that medication can turn you into a racist piece of shit. Yeah. Um well, so you, know thank the, you, you, you know those asthma
1: inhalers that I have? They've been um they've been making me vote UKIP.
0: <laughs> just just muttering remarks about the Portuguese under your breath every time you inhale. Yeah.
1: Under my wheezing <laughs> sleep disturbing <laughs> breath.
0: Um Yeah, Roseanne is terrible. Roseanne Barr, you're terrible.
1: I don't even know who Roseanne Barr is. Who the fuck is she?
0: She's in the show Roseanne. Um, oh, about
1: that's some old American sitcom that I'm sure I have no interest in ever seeing.
0: It it was an old American sitcom that was relatively well liked because it it talked about a working class white family at a time when most sitcoms didn't talk about that, and and right. in general, sort of, it's not an area that sitcoms generally looked at um and so in that regard it was quite it it, it was well respected at the time it got brought back as a revival show last year or was it earlier this year i don't know um and uh in spite of the fact that that roseanne herself has become more and more mental um over time and there was lots of comments at the time saying do we really need a roseanne revival particularly when its star is so uh so dysfunctional and so blatantly racist and it turns out no we didn't need it and in spite of its incredibly high ratings abc has decided you know what we're not touching that anymore um good for them yes and 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 it's a shame because a lot of people are going to end up losing their jobs over this but it it's it's because the star of the show is a massive racist and if you're if technically you're employed by disney you can't get away with being a massive racist. No. Not I anymore mean, anyway.
1: What they could do is, I don't know, maybe just gonna put it out there, they could retain all of like the crew and all the other non people non racist people who worked on the show, get someone else who's funny, start a new show with a non racist, and just like assign all those people to that. I don't know, just 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 a thought, just an <laughs> idea.
0: <laughs> I I'd watch that. I'd watch non racist Roseanne.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it'd be, it would still be Roseanne, but it wouldn't be Roseanne playing Roseanne. It'd be someone yes. else.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think we've we've all lost out on the chance of you know such important episodes of a sitcom as Roseanne decides to spend the entire runtime of the episode insulting survivors of a school shooting, which I'm sure was going to happen in season two, yeah. or or Roseanne camps outside a pizza parlor that she believes has some kind of rape gang working out of its basement, a basement that does not exist.
1: Roseanne's um, crisis actors featuring <laughs> Prison Planet Paul. <laughs>
0: Roseanne lets it sink in.
1: <laughs> oh, his tweet about Tony the Tiger this week had me in absolute hysterics. I, like, I
0: absolutely love it.
1: He is um, beyond a parody of himself.
0: I, 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 I absolutely love these kind of people because in particular they they seem to look at the left wing as the be all and end all of of the nanny state and of political correctness and stopping freedom of expression and freedom to eat as many frosted flakes as you like and everything like that yeah but but historically particularly in the uk those kind of decisions to to stop people from doing things like that have always come from the right wing which is which is their wheelhouse yeah um so so it's really funny seeing this strange um this strange divergence of of prison prison planet saying um oh we've got to stop this liberal elite from doing this when at the same time saying we can't stop our kids from letting we can't we can't we shouldn't stop our kids from eating tony the tiger cereal uh as suggested by the conservative government it's like "Mm, one of these things is not like the others paul (laughs)
1: Yeah, his real name is Anthony the Tiger. <laughs>
0: Speaking of people who don't go by their real names, have you been enjoying all of the stuff about Tommy
1: Robinson? Oh, jeez, that guy is—is is, is he actually in prison now?
0: Uh, I don't know. Where I hope he belongs, I—I so. I hope his prison is actually on the surface of the sun.
1: Because that would be great, <laughs> he is genuinely a, a violent criminal he's
0: he's a total bell end. who now for the second time has nearly led to a mistrial so people who deserve to be in prison have got off scot-free um that's that that's that's why they're stopping him from doing this it's not a freedom of speech issue yeah um it is it is the fact that if he keeps doing this there could be a mistrial and genuinely dangerous people might get off let let the justice system do what it wants uh, Stephen Christopher Yaxley-Lennon, which is your real name. Your I thought name you were going to say, Tommy let that Robinson. sink in. <laughs> let that sink in, in quotation marks, Tommy Robinson, as that is not your real name. Yeah. Your real name is, and I repeat for our listeners, Stephen Christopher Yaxley-Lennon.
1: Interestingly, Yaxley was the name of one of the minor Death Eaters in the Harry Potter series.
0: If one person's, I'm not saying there's a connection. If one person's going to be a Death Eater, I'm just putting it out there. Yeah, it's 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 Tommy Robinson.
1: He is an evil racist. And speaking of evil racists, The Greatest Showman is a film about P.T. Barnum, who was (laughs) some something of a racist himself, should we say?
0: (laughs) Um. Can Can you, I have say, you ever Paddy? seen a
1: picture of P.T. Barnum?
0: He looks like um...
1: he's monstrous. He looks like a boot.
0: <laughs> he does look like the villain from a Victorian-set horror movie, doesn't he? He yeah. really does. Um, I, I was going to say, Paddy, that you know, you know that we're recording this rather late in the day. Yeah, you could say that this is the latest
1: show. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go to the latest <laughs> show? See, it's been like almost two weeks since I watched it and I've actually forgotten most of the songs apart from the big one, which which was on the, always on the trailers. Uh, little bits of them come back to me, but yeah, the big one. The, Look out, because here I come, and I'm marching on to the beating bum. Like, I keep... <laughs> <laughs> like That I think is a very very catchy song and it was kind of in my head before watching the film but the rest of them haven't stayed with me in the same way although I do look back on it think, remember thinking these are good and very stirring mostly emotional good songs but they haven't stuck with me in the same way have they done yeah. that for you?
0: Yeah I think I, I've got a confession I managed to avoid pretty much anything about this movie in terms of seeing footage of it until we watched it this week um my my first the first time i listened to one of the songs from this was at a drag cabaret show <laughs> uh, which i which i went Excellent. to on friday night um where they opened to uh the greatest showman theme um and that was the first time i'd actually heard one of the songs from this and i was like this is cool i think i'm gonna like this film the film cool. itself not as good as the drag cabaret show. It did not have a drag queen doing the song that Jessica Rabbit sings from Roger Rabbit. Go, <laughs> not that good. Um, I mean, how can so, you top that? Exactly. I mean, that was one of the highlights of the entire uh, stag do that I was on. Um, so yeah, it's a shame uh, yeah. that it doesn't have that in it. But it is an enjoyable movie,
1: I'd say. I, I forgot you went on a stag. How was it? I did do
0: on a. St- I I did do a stag. Um, it was very good fun. It was very nice. Got to go abroad. Um wow. was based just outside of Barcelona. Beautiful. Um, in, a, in a town called Sitges. and it was it was very nice and had a lovely time. And then I came back to the UK and saw mm. that the gammon had been at it again and thought
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah. You just open your phone, all you need to know is the gammon are back on their bullshit. Yeah. That's it. Uh, I
0: I got my first uh, hint of it when uh when a Spanish person Just went no no hamon no (laughs) hamon, and and I thought uh realised it's the gammon. Yeah, (laughs) the gammon are at (laughs) it.
1: There are a lot of the gammon move to Spain, don't they, and call themselves expats instead of immigrants. Well,
0: I think quite a lot of the uh, expat community uh, aren't as as Brexit as as it may appear, Um, because I think a lot of them realise oh wait. If we leave the EU, things might become difficult for us. Yeah. Um but but there are exceptions like uh like Nigel Lawson, who is in the news today because he was trying to get French residency after Brexit, despite being one of the main voices of the Brexit campaign and one of the one of the biggest proponents of Brexit as a whole. Um and
1: a man who named his daughter after himself but just feminized the name. Yes. That's not that's not weird and pretentious and up its own ass. <laughs>
0: <laughs> definitely not oh dear um, yeah. I find it
1: hard to connect Nigel Lawson and Nigella Lawson in my head because she's so wonderfully wholesome and a, a great cook and has good recipes and he's just an, yeah, an evil gammon <laughs> like what happens evil at Christmas
0: um, he cooks up an evil gammon <laughs>
1: or, or yeah. no
0: she cooks up the evil gammon
1: there's no turkey um, in this house because we're not letting turkey into the EU.
0: It's got two rashers of bacon on it facing down like angry eyebrows and then a mouth uh, that's made out of a sausage link. Um, and, and Nigella turns it towards her father and says, look, dad, it's you. And then there's <laughs> 50 minutes of awkward silence as they carve into the ham version of Nigel Lawson's head and eat it. <laughs>
1: I'm liking that the dark turn that our podcast is taking, recording after 10 p.m. Yeah, this is big boys don't cry after dark.
0: That's exactly what I was going to say.
1: Gammon visions.
0: (laughs) Gammon, gammon vision. Gammon vision.
1: (laughs) I was thinking that, but I was too tired to start singing it. I got all my I got all my energy out on that burst of the greatest showman singing.
0: Oh, there we go. I don't think I'm going to be able to remember any other songs from The Greatest Showman, so I might just have to keep bursting out into the core theme every now and again. Um, yeah. So, so, There's a
1: bit where it goes, this is The Greatest Show, and there's a bit where it goes, look out, here I come, and there's a bit where Hugh Jackman asks if you want to go, but it's not clear where he's asking you to go. To The maybe Greatest it's, maybe it's Show. Like, oh, okay. Not just like round the back for a fag by the bins.
0: I thought you were going to say round the back for something else entirely, there, Paddy. Well,
1: that that too.
0: I mean, you know. since it's Hugh Jackman, fine,
1: mate. I'm in. Yeah, he's handsome, isn't he?
0: He can he can show me whatever he wants in his magical tent. <laughs> um, apart he's from
1: incongruously handsome, as 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 we've discussed, P.T. Barnum, a, a real <laughs> yes. a real kind of rugged, weathered cliffside of a man. Yeah, <laughs> but look at the, look at the pictures of him.
0: I've, i I do find it funny that someone looked at a picture of P. T. Barnum and thought, you know who'd be perfect to play him? Handsome man <laughs> Hugh Jackman.
1: <laughs> That's the thing. The whole like idea behind this film is so utterly ridiculous. And if it wasn't for the you know, the genuinely quite good pop songwriting and a really good, I think, understanding of how to write a popular zeitgeisty musical that the the musical side of it has it would be one of the most contemptible awful films and it would have been you know it'd, it would have been treated worse than something like the room for example but because it has that element of it it gets away with it but it doesn't feel quite right does it
0: no it still feels very weird but i i i find like obviously pt barnum was a bit of a bit of a piece of work in real life but the sheer ridiculousness of this film uh, kind of <laughs> takes it over the edge to me where I'm like, I don't find this problematic anymore. This is just stupid fun, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, it's, it is it is really dumb. It has very little to do with real life. Um, and that it's all the better for it. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: It's not a film that it's worth trying to pick apart or really analyse or it's not worth being offended by. It's not worth having really strong feelings on it other than that this is an all over the place, complete mess of trash. And that's fine because it's entertaining.
0: Yeah. And 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 if, if you were going to, you, you could do quite an interesting biopic about P.T. About Barnum um, and go into sort of like the way that his ideas about race changed over time and things like that. This is this is not that movie. <laughs> this this movie is I'm going to put on a great show and we're going to fight for our rights to to party. <laughs> yeah. um,
1: it's the film the Beastie Boys should have made while MCA was still alive. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> um it's um it's very very silly, but it's all the better for it. I I think yeah. like if if you're looking for something like an in-depth discussion about about that kind of entertainment at that time, um this isn't going to, to scratch that itch for you if you want lots of good fun songs then yeah come on down hear some fun songs see zac efron dressed as a circus ringmaster
1: yeah um and having a like weird scene with Hugh Jackman in a bar where there's just them and the exasperated barman sort of being like oh here they go fucking rolling my glasses around and dancing on the counter get the fuck down <laughs> <laughs>
0: um yeah That. that's one of he's one of my favorite little favorite little uh little characters in this movie i, I don't feel as though the sort of minor characters are as um as well rounded as you perhaps would want um but it doesn't really matter in a film like this i suppose it's not as important here where in general, the plot is very much behind the spectacle of the thing.
1: Yeah, it's spectacle, I think, is exactly the right word. And on that kind of meta level, because it's a film about circus and about showmanship in and of itself, it has to be showy. And it's definitely trying to just make that statement more than anything else. And that is done very, very much at the expense of characterization, plot, and a lot of the things that usually make a film work. But it still manages to pull it off. I mean, I want I didn't like this film as much as I wanted to I'm usually really i'm I'm a sucker for musicals I'm usually suckered in if the songs are half decent and there's a de- there's you know there's a vaguely good competent story i'm like yep i'm in I'm all over it. Give it to me, but this was just like the plot was so absent and it was so all over the place that it it left me feeling not cold but just thinking this is ridiculous and stupid and hilarious.
0: Yeah, but I didn't feel like <laughs>
1: um, I didn't like passion. Feel like passionately, I didn't feel like a strong connection to it, like I did with as we discussed in one of our early episodes, like La La Land, which has um, the same composers as this, Pasek and Paul. Um, so that was a, some of their earlier work, I guess, um, and I connected with that film. I think for different reasons that we've discussed, even though it's it's problematic. It's a film about a white man saving jazz, but um, I connected with the the idea of kind of dreaming in that film and having dreams and chasing them and whatever as cheesy as that sounds and the greatest showman it has basically more or less the same message chase your dreams don't give up on them yada 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 but it's it's yeah it's characterization is very very bad <laughs>
0: yeah and and i think like as as you know i'm kind of conflicted about la la land yeah um in that I saw I saw things in there that I liked and things in there that I didn't like. I think the thing that The Greatest Showman has over La La Land is that I could not turn around now and sing any song from La La Land whatsoever. But I think, although I've forgotten most of the music from The Greatest Showman, those two songs, I think, every so often, they'll probably prop, cop, crop up in my head and I'll be like, oh yeah, that song was good.
1: This is um, The Greatest Show. See, I could sing you some of the songs from La La Land because I've got the sheet music book.
0: Oh, there we go. But yeah, there was nothing in there. Even as I was watching it, there was nothing in that in that film that really, really caught me. What like about Ryan wise. Gosling's face? Well, music-wise.
1: Oh, music-wise, okay. Uh,
0: I didn't feel as though the music behind it really propelled the film as as a film. Whereas here, I think, if you took the music out of The Greatest Showman... Uh, what would you be left with? You would be left with very, very little.
1: Yeah, a couple of very, very thin scenes about a man risking his family's livelihood multiple times and about Zac Efron and Zendaya loving each other very, very quickly with very little build-up. And one yes. scene where she, she runs away because of bad racism happens, but they love each other, so it's okay. And then there's a song so it's all fine
0: yeah they kind of gloss over the whole racism thing don't they and and it's interesting that they chose to make race a part of it given pt barnum's history with race yeah um and and like it, and you could go either way with it but the fact that they kind of gloss over it whatsoever um is is really strange, don't you think?
1: Definitely, and it, well, it only really had come, crops up in that one scene where, ba- well, basically, the main romance in this film is actually between Zac Efron and Zendaya. She's a trapeze artist or something. He's PT Barnum's business partner, who he randomly finds in a bar and agrees to go into business with, even though he doesn't need it. Fine, whatever. Um, and yeah, they look into each other's eyes, and then they love each other. And then there's a his his parents. Like, meet her once and are immediately racist to her, and then that's it. And that's And then the next scene, they're in love and it's fine. And there are literally no more obstacles to their love. But that racism is supposed to be, the way it's framed, it's supposed to be the biggest impediment to their love. Like, that should be the story, really. But it's not, because instead it's just a collection of set pieces and spectacles thrown together. With a little bit of wokeness thrown in there, and that side of it kind of stinks.
0: Yeah, it's 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 weird because I don't want to get too much into the history of P.T. Barnum here. Um, as, as far as you know, you need to know is he's a very ugly man. That's the <laughs> most important takeaway from this. Yeah. Um, and and he, early on in his career, he was kind of involved in minstrel shows and unsavory elements like that. Um, but as he got older. Um, and and even then there was this like cynical thing about the minstrel shows being used to sort of like just make money um but and then as he got older he kind of became more of a proponent of of black rights in the u.s and things like that um so yeah. so he was a complex character a, yeah. a complex person um who probably deserved a more complex look at his life in a biopic than the only element of race involved in the film being around two minor characters who face a little bit of racism and then overcome it.
1: Yeah, no, it would not, you could not describe this film as a biopic. I think some people have misleadingly described it as such, but that is false and erroneous. It happen. It's a, it's a showy cheesy musical that happens to be about some parts of the life of a real person. It's in no way a biopic.
0: Yeah, and, and, and that's kind of what makes it a bit strange because there are real people in this movie. But as far as I'm aware, P.T. Barnum never rode into town on the back of a CGI elephant.
1: He certainly um, did not. That made me <laughs> lose my shit. That scene, that is hilarious. This is the end of the film. It's like his kind of big romantic gesture to his wife after they've, they've had some fight or whatever. Or now he's he's rich and it's all good and he's conquered New York or whatever. I can't. All I can remember is that he takes an elephant and rides it across town as if that ever happened. Not that everything has to be historically accurate, but it was so overblown and so hilarious that you were just like, yeah, fine. Hugh Jackman on an elephant. To make it even better. He was born to play.
0: To make it even better. It's snowing. It's he's riding an elephant in the snow through New York. Yeah. Did he learn nothing from Hannibal? Seriously? (laughs) Read a history book, P.T. Barnum. Um, it's yeah so so in terms of the general plot of this movie pt barnum wants to do a show he gets a show it's quite successful but it's not enough for him um his wife's like no it's fine we love you and you're successful and that's enough and he's like no i must go and be the best thing ever he nearly has an affair the press reports it as an affair his wife is understandably upset um but he didn't have an affair his show gets burnt down, but then he comes back again and then he goes off to spend time with his family and they're like, okay, you're 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 not a cheaty bastard and you're going to spend time with us. The end.
1: Can we keep the elephant, please?
0: Can we have the elephant? Can we keep the elephant? We'll take good care of it. We'll walk it every day.
1: Yeah. It all just, yeah, the, the pace of it is very, very odd. It really, yeah, it just suddenly jumps from part of his life to part of his life to part of his life. And like every scene... It builds up some problem for him that's then just immediately cast aside in the montage into the next scene. So yeah, it's it's very 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 strange.
0: It it is weird because it almost feels like, and and I'm sorry, Zac Efron, that you've not escaped this, but it almost feels like a high school musical movie
1: <laughs>
0: in its in its like tone, and and the way that everything is so overly produced, like you know. You know how when you watch Les Mis, uh, and as I as as we discussed, um, it was all real takes, um, and it all felt very real. but it moved seamlessly between scenes of acting and scenes of singing. Um, it's not so smooth here, and 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 it all feels very overly produced. It feels very pop.
1: I think it's um, very interesting to compare it to something like Les Mis, actually, as both are musicals, both are telling big stories and using using bits of their history, but they couldn't be more different. And I think the difference is that Les Mis, the music is led by the content of the musical because it's based on a novel by Victor Hugo, um, which tells the very, very important and highly politi- politically and historically charged story of the French Revolution over many, many years. Whereas in The Greatest Showman, because it's it's cinematic, it's it's a it's made to be a film, and to sell on that kind of level, which is very very different. It's not being adapted from anything. Everything else, so the content, the history, everything, is in service to the spectacle and the show.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Everything here, they they both come out. Even though on face value, if you if you put the details of each movie into a computer algorithm, they'd come up as as similar movies um but the the moment that you actually look at the way that they were created and the reasons that they were created it becomes that much more important to recognize how different they are um and and you're right it all comes down to what their core focus is and the core focus of the greatest showman is very much spectacle um these these songs and the the elements of this movie which are the best which are the songs themselves they're basically meant as it, it's almost as though they made it with making an album in mind or making a stage show in mind um the whole where, time
1: i was thinking this would be so much better on the stage
0: yeah and i imagine that at some point i mean i'm going to do a quick google in case i've already announced it at some point this is going to be a stage show they Just must do
1: when the film eventually comes out of cinemas because I think even though it's on the Amazon Prime now I think it is still going in the cinemas and it only it's only been like a couple of weeks since it dropped out of the top 10 which is really really amazing and i was so intrigued by that as well as they keep saying that it got to number one on its sixth sixth week of release in the UK. And had this kind of build-up of cult following around it, and people going to like going back time and again to sing-along screenings. And that element of it, I think, is really interesting. And I, I'd be interested to go to one of those screenings and see how it changes your perception of the film. Which um, you know, Mark Kermode said on his, his podcast that it completely changed his idea of it. He thought it was terrible the first time he saw it on some press screening room, and then having seen it with an audience who were belting out the songs. It just becomes about the songs. It's almost like a gig, I guess. But to have that experience in a cinematic setting is something else.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and it looks as though they may well do a a live show of this. Having a quick look around but it has been discussed. Um, and if it continues to become a cult classic, if it continues to do well post-release, so if their DVD sales or their, their streaming services do well um i imagine that you'll see it on broadway at some point relatively soon yeah. um and 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 the cynic in me thinks yeah they probably did some of it even with this in mind um because it was all framed around the the plot is not important here it's all framed around the music
1: absolutely um, and you you know around... you're going to be able to sell tickets to that show so it's it's a money spinner and yeah. the cynic in me says well that's the capitalist entertainment world that we live in, and the people making it—they know that. They know exactly what they're doing.
0: Yeah, and and there's not necessarily anything wrong with it. It, it the songs are ridiculously catchy. Um, I want to see them have a real elephant. Yeah, that would be good, particularly real snow it, as well. Real snow, real elephant. If the elephant kills someone, even better, because you shouldn't have an elephant locked up like that. Yeah, and it and it deserves to take out at least one of the lead actors um at least once a month that should be part of its contract
1: <laughs> the elephant has its revenge yeah
0: because <laughs> e- elephants never forget they hold grudges
1: this is true yeah that elephant has seen some shit <laughs> the, the stories <laughs> that that elephant could tell you it's got to be the same elephant as well
0: yeah yeah no chance
1: ch- you can't change the elephant you can change zac Efron but you can't change the elephant
0: <laughs> precisely um but yeah, it's it's it 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 is entertaining though. I did I did get entertained by this film. I wouldn't necessarily turn around and say, you know what, I've got to watch that again.
1: Yes, I don't think I'll be watching it again anytime soon because it was too it was kind of exasperating how it kept jumping from thing to thing incongruously. But the songs broke it up in a nice enough way. But yeah, it's not one to, to watch again. But if you know, if you're around someone's house and they're like, Let's watch the greatest showman and it's coming on, you're like, Yeah, sure. Why not? I'm happy to watch Zac Efron and his handsome face dancing around in the bar. You know, it's all good.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a fine film if you're into that sort of thing. I I would not when I when I watch a musical, I'm always more entertained by the passion and the vibrancy behind the performances. And that's what really sells a musical on me, a musical on like a musical movie. Um, and this is a little bit too clean cut for me. It's too clean cut in the same way that that La La Land was too clean cut. When I'm watching a musical, I want it to be the same kind of chaos as Les Mis or Mamma Mia, yep. where where it is just you know it feels raw and silly, um, and it all feels like it's a bit of a mess. But that passion like comes through. Whereas here, like it's all really good, and obviously Hugh Jackman is a terrific singer on top of being a terrific actor. Um, But it all feels a little bit too good.
1: It's too good for its its it's own good.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: I think you've touched upon the real problem with this, which is that it didn't star Pierce Brosnan in the leading role.
0: (laughs) It should have been Pierce Brosnan (laughs) and Russell (laughs) Crowe.
1: Yeah, Russell Crowe is playing the Ephronators part, obviously. Then Meryl Streep as Zendaya, yeah,
0: they, they they could have pulled it off. That would be amazing. I mean, let's just be honest here; that would be incredible.
1: Yeah, and Pierce Brosnan, you, you can picture him looking into the camera, going, "This is the greatest show," <laughs> <laughs> with you know his his like serious, angry face on, like when he's when he's doing the oh, no It'd be like that. It'd be great it would it would be so
0: great oh man i wish i wish that's what it was
1: yeah but no the the other thing that with that comparison is that the things you said where it works are adapted from the stage this is the the interesting question then that i now put to you is can you think of any films that were straight to film musicals where it genuinely works because off the top of my head i'm struggling
0: Foot, mm, footloose? Straight to film. I've
1: never seen Footloose. Footloose is good. Mm. Not a gotta cut loose, Footloose. This is the greatest show. <laughs> <laughs> footloose has been on my um, list of films for us to watch, actually, but I think we need a break from musicals for a little bit.
0: Would you consider the producers to be a musical? The original?
1: I think so. Yeah. It's a co- it's a highly comic musical, but there are a lot of songs in it that break up the the dialogue and the the action, so yeah, I guess.
0: Because that works well as an as an early example. And um, was that a film before um, it was
1: on the stage?
0: Yes. So right. the film was the it, it went film stage show, film based on stage show. Cuz I saw it it's on like stage chronology.
1: before I saw it in any other format.
0: Oh yep, yeah. Um, I I'd seen the original movie first, then I saw the stage show, and then they made the kind of subpar movie
1: of it. I haven't seen it, um, but it was the the cast that I saw of the stage show with so Nathan Lane, Lee Evans.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I saw it. So so the movie has has Matthew Broderick horrendously. Oh. Uh, poorly cast as Leo Bloom he's he's terrible <laughs> oh, no. he's really bad that's a shame um, but, i but, I, but I always ma-
1: root for matthew broderick you know i feel like I, I he do, kind I of do... got a raw deal Ferris Bueller's day off was so good and then like since then he just couldn't come back from it and then now he's gotten a bit jowly and all he does is pop up in the background of films like new year's eve
0: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah he's very very poorly miscast in it um Uma Thurman is also kind of miscast which is a shame but Nathan Nathan Lane is Max Stock in the movie version as well yeah. and he's fantastic as you'd expect because Nathan Lane is is amazing um the the other one I can think of is is Moulin Rouge which I don't I don't particularly like as a film I don't really like Baz Luhrmann all that much I'm glad you said probably that probably isn't
1: gonna I I do not care for Moulin Rouge either I, I've only seen it once, but I just didn't get it at all. But I think um, I
0: apologise in advance to all of our listeners because lots of people love him, but I just can't get on board with his directing style. It it just doesn't gel with
1: me. I think and and is this going to be fine. what what they call on the Twitter sphere an unpopular opinion?
0: <laughs> it might be. It might be.
1: I think his um, Romeo um, and Juliet is very good and very enjoyable and a very interesting take on Shakespeare. But yeah, overall, I yeah. I'm I'm not sold. Open to him, but not yeah, sold. I'm, I'm a I'm yeah, a I'm a Lerman agnostic.
0: I particularly I didn't particularly like Romeo and Juliet, but I respected it for doing something different. Um, Moulin Rouge, I didn't really like. I didn't actually mind his Great Gatsby adaptation.
1: Actually, I did like that.
0: Um, I thought it got the spectacle incredibly yeah. on point. I th- I think that the darker scenes should have been a little bit darker um the whole thing had this kind of mysterious feel to it this kind of otherworldly feel which i don't think quite worked yeah but when it was showing off the lavish fake life of gatsby himself um it did it really well and it uh, and so it was incredibly so I, well I quite cast like, as well yes yeah i i quite like the great gatsby i thought that was a very good film um but yeah I, Moulin rouge a lot of people think is great so that is another one that you know straight to straight to film
1: yeah and it's not dissimilar Um, to the greatest showman i bet you all of our listeners who love moulin rouge also love the greatest showman please write to tell me that i
0: imagine that's probably the case (laughs) um so so there's been a fair few you've got i don't know if little shop of horrors was a was a was that a stage show
1: first um i thought it was a stage show first but i honestly have no idea
0: You've obviously got Xanadu, the the greatest film of all time. Have you ever seen Xanadu? No. the the, the um the Olivia Newton John uh musical that was a was a huge financial flop. Sold.
1: I'm I'm in. Is um, it the sci-fi thing? It's
0: it's the most '80s, unbelievably '80s thing you've ever seen in your life. Um, it's uh it's more like fantasy kind of cool it's like a sort of fantasy 80s thing it's really silly it's it's really good fun um but yeah it's i think you're right that a lot of it stems from um a, a lot of them do stem from from stage shows because that's where the musicals really took hold as time went on um and that's where you get a consistently high level of of musical entertainment yeah. um yeah and i, I whereas... think people
1: have been trying for such a long time to translate that into film and i don't know that i think we're we're at a high point the highest point now of that working that we've ever had in the history of cinema um because this is a great success la la land was a great success there's a few uh, others that i can't think of but i'm sure that are out there of uh, good examples of musicals working on film but i think i'm always fascinated by how difficult it is to adapt musicals into film and how i don't know that any one film has completely nailed it yet apart from russell crowe yeah, bellowing I, I, for three hours in lame is obviously
0: and I, I think part of our part of our idea about musicals not quite working in um or, or historically not working in cinema is probably down to the era in which we grew up and the films that we grew up watching because the, the the 90s was a real there was a real lack of good musical movies particularly good like original musical movies whereas you had had a fair few in the 80s in the 70s in the 60s and then you've got more coming up now in the new in the new millennium um but that, but that those nineties years, which were the most formative years where we were watching films, they really weren't that many around. There is no equivalent um, of Greece,
1: are... is there? Greece, I guess, was no, so huge exactly. at the time.
0: Yeah, exactly. That there, there, there wasn't a movie of that ilk that had anywhere near the same like success or or, or iconic nature when we were growing up. Um, which in turn might be why we don't necessarily. Um, connect as well with The Greatest Showman because we don't have that history of watching films like that, I suppose.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, in the 90s, all we had was the Airbud Cinematic Universe. So, you know. <laughs> and interestingly, that's the thing that um, The Greatest Showman does have over La La Land is a direct link to the Airbud Cinematic Universe in that Zendaya has appeared in, I think, multiple Airbud films.
0: Really? That's incredible. Yeah, she
1: was one of those Disney child stars, wasn't she?
0: yeah so so she was in um
1: i don't think she's not in seventh inning fetch which is obviously the best one because it's the baseball one <laughs> she
0: i can't believe that that there is i mean that that you know if you can do however many degrees to kevin bacon you can clearly <laughs> do however many degrees to Airbud. six you?
1: degrees of air Bud. yeah <laughs>
0: um oh that 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 makes me feel
1: happy yeah. oh no, no no, wait, feel happy. She voiced lollipop the horse in Super buddies, which is one of the the kind of spin off well the broader airbud cinematic universe. the buddies series I'm sure you're aware of are the the like the the talking puppies of of the Airbud franchise it's slightly it's later it's a it's a bit like the Star Wars prequels. We don't talk about them too much if you're hardcore into the airbud universe <laughs> okay.
0: Have you got an airbag tattoo, Paddy?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's of a golden retriever on my right buttock.
0: <laughs> I knew it. Um, I, I so so going back to the greatest showman, I think part of the reason why it also doesn't really doesn't really hold interest with us is that it doesn't feel that dangerous, and I and, and there's nothing there that really sort of like test the boundaries um and and all of the great musicals have in some way shape or form tested something tested the audience in a way so so when greece first first um appeared on stage um people were kind of um taken aback by it as a sort of incredibly adult sleazy dangerous show
1: um it's gonna encourage high schoolers to drink and have sex
0: yeah so so there's all of that stuff about sort of like um you know like teenage pregnancy um there's lots about sex in there there's even like gang violence and things like yeah that. dangerous drag um, racing
1: yeah there's a exactly. song called mooning so you know it encourages getting your <laughs> ass out it's yeah it's it's filthy
0: um and, and so even something that nowadays you look back on with, with this sense of nostalgia, even then when it first originated, there was something dangerous about it. And, and looking at the most sort of like the the musicals that, that, that have caused the most discussion in recent years, all of them have done something a little bit different. Um, whether it's Mamma Mia having a cast who can't actually sing very bold move there, very bold move. Um, or 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 Les Mis having those very raw performances to get that emotion in there. Um, La La Land uh, being incredibly racist. <laughs> <laughs> um, I kid. The the, the 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 interesting thing about La La Land was the way that it had all of those incredible sets, um, the sets that felt almost like magical in nature, um, and the way that it sort of cooled back to those those fifties musicals. Yeah. Um, which no one had done in a very long time um, all of them have done something quite different whereas with The Greatest Showman it's hard to pinpoint anything that it does differently. It feels very safe.
1: Yeah, absolutely not, none of, it's not pushing any boundaries at all in any way and yeah, as you say there's the going back to what I was saying earlier is about how a thing rears its head and it looks like it's a problem but in the next scene it's just dealt with. There's no ongoing jeopardy and there's no real arc it's just show after show after show. And the, what should be the big climactic song, the look out, cause here I come. That song, it should be like, there should be some momentous thing that that song is re- responding to. But what it's responding to is that P.T. Barnum didn't let them into a party. Yeah, and
0: and given some of the other horrible things that happen in this movie that are glossed over very quickly, you'd have thought that they put it somewhere else other than after the he's kind of let us down by not letting us into a party, yeah, like the
1: thugs who burn down his circus—that happens, right? Some thugs burn it down, yes. yeah. And there's like fighting and violence and stuff. It's all, yeah, that all happens in about thirty seconds, whereas you get at least a minute to a minute and a half of Zendaya's crying face after Zach Efron's parents do a racism to her.
0: Which, yeah, and and that is understandably quite a quite a distressing scene, but it doesn't feel that way because it, after that, it's just like flick a switch um that it it's nothing feels genuine nothing has any sense of 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 the permanent in this film and i think that is its main issue um which is a real shame because there's there's potential here they had a really really great cast together obviously you've got zach efron you've got hugh jackman um michelle williams is is really underused here she's as well great. she's she's a phenomenal actor Um, she should have had her own
1: her own like kind of huge emotional number at some point
0: yes she had a few uh, little
1: bits but didn't have like a big number hers should have been the showstopper it should have she should have had like a don't cry for me argentina kind of moment
0: yes and it it never happens um the closest you get is is rebecca ferguson um who plays jenny lind um gives a very emotional sort of final performance as it were yeah and and that's the closest you get to that kind of thing and and again she's she's great um rebecca ferguson is 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 really underrated i think in general mm, yeah um and 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 puts in a really good performance here one of the few performances that i think has a little bit of uh, of subtlety to it i suppose yeah um there there, there are elements where you're like mm, i wonder what's going on here and you and you see sort of like the the difficulties behind the scenes of that character and things like that. It's, it's, it's an interesting performance and one that I think, again, they could have done more with.
1: Definitely. And a, a, a good and interesting take on like the, the idea of bringing opera into that kind of thing and how musicals interact with opera as well because her singing is supposed to... She was an opera singer in real life and they talk about her being an opera singer but the song she sings isn't an opera song but it is operatic. And that side of it, I thought, was really interesting and quite well done.
0: Yeah, and, and and again, that 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 sort of like clash of ideals of entertainment, again, isn't really dealt with. Um, it's again kind of glossed over as they have to keep this momentum going for a plot that nobody really cares about to get to the next musical number that people do care about. And it just almost feels as though it would have been good if they'd taken a step back and thought a little bit more about how the plot would work in this film. Because... Even though the musical numbers are great, having a having an interesting plot of some description is always kind of important. So you look at you look at Mamma Mia. You've got ABBA songs there, aka possibly the most singable songs in the history of music. Um, and even then, they still wanted to frame it around this pseudo mystery of who the real dad is and things like that. And you are invested in it. Whereas here, you're never really invested in that plot. And I think that's really to the film's detriment. It's because
1: there isn't a plot. There's no coherent (laughs) arc across it. I couldn't tell you what the plot is, honestly. All I could tell you is P.T. Barnum wants to impress, wants to win his childhood sweetheart's hand. He does. He wants to do a circus. He does. He gathers all these people. He, He does it. He wants to get this opera singer woman across. He does. Zac Efron falls in love. It's very nice. P.T. Barnum needs everyone to accept him and needs to impress everyone. He has a disagreement with his wife. He rides an elephant. Fine. Big song.
0: (laughs) The most important bit being that he rides an elephant. of course.
1: But it really, it's a very, very interesting exercise and a good demonstration of why plot is so important. Um, Perhaps more so than any other element of film and of storytelling in general is that you can you can hang some dodgy stuff off a plot if you've got a good plot, um, but if you've got haven't got a plot and you try and hang things off of it, it still just looks like they're hanging in thin air. And I think it's also a reason why sort of crime and thrillers are so popular because I don't I'm not really into crime and thrillers. I mean, in terms of books and films or whatever, but they always have very very solid and tight plots, and that's why people like them. I think just as an aside.
0: Yeah yeah Uh, having a plot i mean this is going to sound a bit obvious but having a plot is unbelievably important and and having that hook that keeps people engaged because it's all well and good having a musical where you know they tune in every 15 minutes to the next song and then they zone out again but they're not going to remember your movie
1: yeah it it sounds obvious to say that but there are a lot of films that make it into mainstream cinemas that have little to no or just terrible plots as well. Plots that just don't have that uh, that arc or don't string their scenes together properly or where the jeopardy just isn't apparent, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I think it really it really
0: is something that people should take home is hey, maybe you should have a plot in your movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, what's the plot of The Bridges <laughs> of Madison County? <laughs>
0: fucking on the Lonium, crying in the rain <laughs> that's all you need paddy that
1: sounds like good what's the
0: plot of boyhood like a
1: beat poem the plot of boyhood <laughs> is that it took 12 years to make <laughs> <laughs> did you did you know exactly. that did you know it took 12 years I, to make
0: I, I did not know that it took 12 years to isn't make isn't that amazing it's incredible that is the most incredible thing i've ever heard yeah
1: in cinema. If anyone should be called the greatest showman, it's Richard Linklater, right?
0: <laughs> uh, given that it took 12 years to make.
1: What greater show is there than the, a film that took 12 years to make?
0: The 12 years to makest showman.
1: <laughs> That's very bad.
0: <laughs> Thank you. I'm getting <laughs> sleepy now. My brain has stopped working. Yeah, it's,
1: it's, um, it's late in the evening. The day is almost done. It is. <laughs> yeah. What else do I have to say about this film? Let's see. He's Yeah, he says New York society will never accept us. And then there's that that line is never dealt with, ever. There's never any element of New York society not accepting him, apart from the critic character, who I thought was actually one of the more interesting characters in the, the scene when he sort of has a chat with the critics and further down the line and the critic guy is sort of vaguely accepting him and understanding what the circus is. And they sort of seem to be rubbing along that relationship. I did find genuinely interesting.
0: Yeah, that was an interesting one, I think. And, and it kind of, that was one of the, one of the moments of sort of like good writing in the film where at the lowest point, they then have that glimmer of hope through the critic saying, yes, blah, 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 blah. You guys are all right. I don't despise you. Good luck um and and then you're like yeah even the critics on board we can do it um of course in real life the critics were not particularly on board with this film Mm, no um until its metaphorical circus had burnt down yeah i suppose so maybe they knew all along that after an initial disappointing run it would then gather steam and and it would gain support
1: it would rise from the ashes like a phoenix the,
0: the whole thing the whole thing is a metaphor for itself
1: yeah i i think the makers of it would be very very happy with you describing it in that way returning to you know Adam, oh. what we've been saying about spectacle and such
0: well i'm i'm pleased they would think that
1: yeah so i think i think we're being kind to it but it's a kindness that's deserved it's earned it
0: I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this film. It's not going to stay with me apart from possibly two songs, definitely one song. Um, but it was, it was enjoyable, an enjoyable role. I'm glad
1: that it exists. I'd rather that this was, you know, doing really well at the box office than justice league age of bullshit or whatever, you know, like, <laughs> or whatever fifteenth expansion of whatever cinematic universe, you know, Or, you know, another dreary adaptation of a novel like On Chesil Beach or whatever, Kill Me Now.
0: (laughs) Are are you saying, Paddy, that you don't want another movie about sad, white, middle-aged men? No. Is that what you're saying?
1: I, I, strangely... I know because I am, you know, an almost 30-year-old white person, but, like, I... I don't want to watch any more films about white people who can't have sex. I mean, I, I kind of, <laughs> I'd rather watch the greatest showman on an indefinite loop, to be honest.
0: <laughs> I'm with you on that. I, I have no interest in one of my, one of my least favorite subgenres of movie is the adaptation of a, a literary fiction book that critics love and nobody else has read yeah it's one of my real like i have no interest in watching this movie get out um because it's just like ah. Uh, the only reason that any of those books are interesting is in the first place is if they're written in an interesting way yeah and there's only so many ways that you can portray that in cinema and most of the time it's just vaguely artistic long shots of a beach and then and then a close up of, of Casey Affleck's face. People walking along it.
1: talking slowly. But they always get yeah. quite big budgets and quite good actors to star in them, don't they? It's yeah, it's it's interesting. That subset of film.
0: Yeah, it, it can all get in the bin yeah.
1: there. All I want Give is to <laughs> is to to for the Airbud universe to keep expanding. That's that's all I ask of cinema. <laughs>
0: Uh oh, okay. Yeah, I am on board with that. Come on. More airbud, please.
1: And they can all be about baseball. It's fine. He could work his way around all of the 30 different major league clubs and save each one in a different way.
0: Alternatively, um a a, a Philip Roth adaptation but with dogs. Uh, as the actors. I'd go
1: for that. The Great American Airbud. <laughs> <laughs> Philip Roth died, didn't he? He
0: did. Yeah.
1: Not read any of his books, but I have ordered a copy of The Great American Novel because it's it's a baseball book, and I haven't read it. So there you go.
0: Oh, there we go. I've read a couple of Philip Roth books. He he's one of those people where yes, he fits into that literary fiction mold, but he wrote things in such an interesting way that that was the the point of it, and that it told these stories. Um, so like American Pastoral, for instance, is a very interestingly written novel, um, equally The Human Stain, um, where where the way it's written is almost the point of the enjoyment of reading Isn't it. Isn't
1: that the new Marvel movie?
0: <laughs> the Human Stain
1: <laughs>
0: is the worst superhero. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah pastoral man
1: <laughs> that's just a, a shepherd <laughs> uh, but yes rest in peace philip roth he had a good run published a lot of great books swirling in the heavens yes. tonight. i look forward to reading his yeah. his work
0: i look forward to the air Bud adaptation of his work
1: <laughs> do, you, do you think um philip roth and pt barnum are having a chin mark in heaven
0: you're suggesting that P.T. Barnum got into heaven, Paddy. Oh, yeah, Daddy. that's
1: true. <laughs>
0: you're, you're, you're suggesting that the afterlife of P.T. Barnum is not that if you repeat his name three times in a mirror, he appears to you and then takes you off to a hell circus.
1: <laughs> I'm genuinely very, very scared and will not be doing that.
0: I dare you. You've got to say P.T. Barnum three times in a mirror, Paddy.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm going to tune in
0: next week, and if it's just me who's who's delivering the episode, you know what's happened to Patty. If you're
1: co-presenting with PT Barnum's ghost, then you know that we've got a problem.
0: (laughs) Welcome to Ghostcast.
1: Big ghosts don't cry.
0: (laughs) Oh dear. Um, Good times. (laughs) Yes. Right. Shall I move on to some trivia? Yes, please. So Zendaya did all of her own trapeze stunts in the film.
1: Wow. That's awesome. Which is
0: pretty awesome because that trapezing is, is excellent.
1: Hats off to her then. That's that's hard work. Dangerous work. Someone's gotta do it.
0: Um another bit of trivia here, Rebecca Ferguson, um, she did not sing uh the songs that she was singing. What? Um saying that although she can sing because her character is considered the best singer in the world, dubbing her voice would be in service of the movie. Okay, so they they had to get
1: the best singer in the world to dub it over, which was the the guy from the Go Compare adverts.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I thought I'd heard his
1: voice somewhere before. He's the true greatest Um... showman.
0: (laughs) Um... (laughs) Oh, dear. I'm losing it, Paddy. I'm losing it. <laughs> yep, me too. Um so in real life P. T. Barnum did meet Queen Victoria.
1: I did know that because I had to look that up while we were um watching the film. I was like, did that really happen? Apparently it did. He brought all his, his freaks over and they hung out with Queen Victoria. Pretty cool.
0: Yeah. That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I I I would like to know Victoria's real reaction.
1: I hope she was nice to him.
0: Yeah, I I hope so. I hope a little like little wink in his direction. Yeah, that's what I want from my queen. Um. But yeah, so so that that'll probably do for trivia.
1: That's that's some good um, some good trivia though.
0: Yeah, just a little just a little bit of just a little bit of trivia for you.
1: I like it when people do their own stunts.
0: Yeah, so do I.
1: It always strikes me as slightly Tommy Wiseau-ish, but it's great
0: (laughs) i really like it i like it when people do their own stunts and i like it when the 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 sort of stunts and the action scenes are all real prosthetics things like that um i don't have much time for the terrible cgi elephants i have to say no
1: they they had the money for a real elephant or maybe at maybe at that point they'd run out of money (laughs)
0: maybe and they were like okay we'll just use the remainder of our cgi budget to get them to do some elephants for us
1: or is it because as you say an elephant never forgets
0: it's true maybe maybe someone in this movie wronged an elephant at some point
1: and they realized they couldn't take the risk or is it just like they wouldn't wish the experience of having to remember being in this quite incoherent and weird film (laughs) on on any (laughs) elephant
0: (laughs) that's got to be it hasn't it
1: yeah so yeah, how we how yeah, final thoughts. My my final thought is that it's it's I'm glad it exists. It's good in a way in that it's entertaining, it's some of the cheesiest shit I've ever seen in my life. The songs are generally catchy, quite and quite good and just about hold it together. The plot is non existent, it is all over the place, it is a complete mess. Um and it's yeah, it's it's a beautiful, entertaining, cheesy mess. It's it's a plate of Cheesy nachos.
0: <laughs> That's a great way to describe it.
1: Um, yeah. Do you you have anything to add to that?
0: <laughs> no, I completely agree <laughs> with all of that. um Particularly the cheesy nachos. This is this is chili con queso. Mm. This movie. Oh no,
1: no I'm getting um, hungry.
0: Although maybe not quite as delicious.
1: No, I wouldn't describe it as delicious.
0: It's like budget queso.
1: Yeah you you know that it's it's good and it's going to fill you up but it's not necessarily a taste sensation but there are some parts in it that are like guilty pleasure food like you know american like single cheese squeezy cheese on a burger or whatever yeah
0: yeah that's what this is <laughs>
1: it's the film equivalent of american cheese <laughs> <laughs>
0: um so so how are we going to how are we going to rate this hmm. are we going to rate this
1: let's see how many incongruous freaks are not allowed into pt barnum's party and have to go and sing about it
0: (laughs) it. (laughs) right um i'm i'm going for for 12 freaks Twelve freaks for this film.
1: That's good. I think that that's Um, quite that's that's kind. I think I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go slightly lower and give it a ten, just because the 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 lack of any any real semblance of plot was a real problem for me that just made it feel very thin, despite it having a lot of meat on those bones. There was there was meat. There was bones. There was no flesh. Should we say to use a a slightly grim analogy? But um, (laughs) yeah, I'll I'll give it a 10. It's it's halfway there. It Bon Jovi'd it.
0: It Bon Jovi'd it. It's, yeah, yeah, I enjoyed the musical sections, although they all felt a little bit too polished. Yeah. I enjoyed myself without ever feeling attached to anything whatsoever. And I came away away from it feeling pretty good, but then almost instantly forgetting anything that I just watched.
1: Um, Yeah, I can't remember much of it. I had to refer back to my notes quite a lot.
0: Um, but it's it's an enjoyable film. That was that's you know that's something to take away from it.
1: Yeah, it's fun. You should watch it.
0: Yeah, give it a go. Yeah.
1: We were, we we definitely we we recommend it. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Cool. So what have what have you got for us next?
0: So it's been a while since we watched a classic of the '90s. Um, so we are going to watch Never Been Kissed.
1: Oh, nice. I I enjoy this one. This is good.
0: Yes, it's going to be an enjoyable watch. Yeah. I look forward to discussing it. I
1: think it. we we always get good episodes out of these kind of films.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: It was, in fact, our, um, some of our friends were here earlier this week and we were playing Heads Up, you know, the game where on your phone you hold the phone up to your head and you have to name things or describe things to the people without naming them. And we did films and that was a film that came up. And I think I tried oh, to excellent. describe it as... Drew Barrymore has never been romanced, or no, or she has not been romanced, or something along those lines. And we got, yeah, yeah, we got there pretty quick. Excellent. And then one of my friends tried to describe Field of Dreams to me as paddock of thoughts or something, and I <laughs> and I, I I had no idea what he was talking about. And then I was like, it's a baseball movie. Just say baseball and ghosts, and I'll get it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great fun Good game stuff. Yeah, So heads up if you're listening that's, That means you owe us money now You're our sponsor
0: Yes, Yeah. you're now our sponsor You don't have any say in yeah. the matter Heads up heads We like up. your game, give us money
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cool, well I don't think there's anything else to add Do you have anything else you want to talk about?
0: No, no That is it for me
1: Alright well, thanks a lot for listening, as always. You can tweet us at Big Don't Pod, Drop us an email, BigBoysDon'tCryPodcast at gmail.com. Always love to hear from you, and if you like what we do, leave us a nice rating or a, or a review on iTunes or wherever. You know, it would just, you know, help us out. It'd help us make the case to heads up that they need to give us money.
0: Leave us a review and put it on iTunes. This is Big Boys Don't Cry.
1: <laughs> nice. Do you want to go... To bed because it's late.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I definitely want to go to bed.
1: All right, let's let's button this up. (laughs) (laughs) Bye bye. Bye.